and welcome to this episode of Overcoming Anxiety with Dawn Morgan. Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning to you all. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Overcoming Anxiety with Dawn Morgan. On today's episode, I have a guest with me and we will be discussing a few things. So please find a safe place and be with somebody if you require some support before you listen, if any of these topics um, may cause you some distress. So today we may be talking about sexual assault, mental abuse as a child, alcoholism, drug use, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and self-harm. And now, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest. And my guest is today is Hallie Thompson, and she is the owner and founder of Healing with Hallie. She's Arizona's number one transformational alchemist, changing women's lives into gold. At Healing with Hallie, she helps women gain clarity and confidence in their lives by addressing and healing the root causes rather than just focusing on symptoms. When you feel mentally healthy, everything is easier. Having dealt with anxiety and depression herself, she understands what it takes to change your mindset and gain back the incredible confidence you were born with. Her website is healingwithhallie.com and you can follow her on Instagram and Facebook. All of her details are in the show notes. Hallie is also an acclaimed published author. Her book, Beauty in the Pain, helps people not only cope, but thrive alongside chronic pain. Okay, so welcome Hallie to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. So we're looking forward to hearing your story. So I'm just going to hand over to you for you to to tell us all about your anxiety journey. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, So I originally started with dealing anxiety. I didn't even know I was dealing with anxiety when I was probably around eight or nine. And uh, it's because my mother, she had an alcohol, she was an alcoholic and she had a drinking problem, but as a nine or eight year old, I didn't understand what that was. I just, you know, just knew my mom at nights would, you know, have be a little silly or she would cry a lot and I would have to take care of her. And, you know, the nights when she cried and she was in the hallway crying and I'd have to help her to her bed. That was, uh, very challenging as a kid to, figure out how, like, what do I do? Like, I didn't know what to do. I'm, I'm this little kid and I'm having to take care of my mom. I, I didn't understand. And so going from there, I was always trying to anticipate her, her moods or my dad's mood swings and trying to like figure out, okay, is this going to be that one of those nights? Is she going to get upset or is she going to be happy? Or is my dad going to shut off? Like, and I didn't realize I was doing that until I became a lot older, but always having to be on edge like that created this anxiety feeling. And I, I, as a kid, I couldn't have told you that I couldn't have been like, oh yeah, this is what this was. This is exactly what I was was being anxious. But as a child, you're trying to process these emotions and feelings and it's, it can be very challenging, very challenging. And so when I hit about 12, yeah, I would say 12, I started to rebel and really like break the rules, kind of do what I want to do. You know, can I go over to a friend's house? No, you can't go. So I go anyways. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <It's neat. laughs> 
Sneak Teenage out. Rebellion. Yes, yes, you know, you know how it is. And, but I, I just, I wanted to escape those feelings. I wanted to escape my reality and I didn't know how to do that. So I eventually, in a healthy way, so I eventually, you know, started doing drugs and alcohol myself. And the first time I started drinking, I was probably, I just had turned 13, I think. And uh, it just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Yeah. And so, you know, having to mask these feelings from anger, sadness, this knotted feeling in my gut that I didn't understand like what that feeling was and just, just this hypersensitive mode of like, what's going to happen? Or are you upset? I'm sorry. You upset. Did I upset you? Like, it's just, it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I mean, especially when you were that, that young, you've grown up in a a situation where there's a lot of disruption and there's, as you say, the anxiety, because you didn't know what was going to happen. You were unsure it could go one way or the other. And Mm -hmm. then, yeah, the escapism that's, that's natural, isn't it? You want something that's going to dumb the pain. Well, yeah. And I, I just don't think any adult in my life ever like explained to me it's what you're feeling is normal. Like it's okay. I always felt like it was my fault. Like, Oh, it's always my, like, this is my problem. I'm, I'm the reason why my parents are upset. Like I always thought it was me and I was getting attention, but not the attention I, I, I needed the healthy attention. You know, it was, I was always in trouble. I was getting sent to, sent away. It was just, it was, it was a lot as a child to try to process these feelings and then like not absorb it of like, oh, it's all me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I think children tend to do a bit of trial and error. They just try Mm. all these different Mm. things. Is this going to get me what I want? Do I exactly, am I, if maybe if I'm better or I'm, I care more or I do more or I achieve more or something, Mm -hmm. maybe that will get, and of course it doesn't work because if you're not getting the attention, it's unlikely you're going to get the attention. Oh yeah. I tried variety of, I, I, we call them the roles, quote unquote, the roles. Yeah. And I played the sick one. Like I would pretend to be sick, you know, wanting my parents to stay home from work to take care of me, but you know, I'd be sick and they're like, okay, well you stay home. And then they would go to work or I'd have to go to my neighbor. She was the one sweet woman. She took care of me. She was kind of like a grandma and she just was very kind. And so if I was sick, I'd either go with her or I get to stay home. But so I, I did, I would go through the roles. I did sick. I tried to be, you know, athletic and perfect. That didn't work. <laughs> I try, and, but the only thing that did get me my attention was the rebellion years where I did drugs. I ran away. I stole, like I was not a pleasant teenager, <laughs> but you know, I, I was just trying, as you said, trying to find what fit best for me to get that attention. Yeah. Yeah. It is scary time in, in most people's lives, but with that type of background, it's even worse. Yeah. yeah. So where did that lead you to then? So I, I ran, so what kind of was the catalyst of all, I stole my mom's car. I ran away and I so silly. I, you know, wanted to go pick up my friends after school and, and we all go run away together. It was like this, you know, fantasy I had. So I go to my school and I'm in middle school. I'm, I'm in seventh or eighth grade at this point. 
eighth grade. I'm in eighth grade. And I, I go to my school and I'm waiting in the parking lot and my English teacher, I'll never forget it. She's leaving early because she's, she's pregnant and she's almost due any day. And she leaves early before all the other kids come. And she comes out and sees me in the car and I will never forget her. She came over to me and she's like yelling at me, but it's like, she's crying at the same time. And I get out and she just hugs me. And I just remember that feeling of like, oh, somebody does care. And I know my parents cared about me. I'm not saying they didn't, but as a, a rebellious child, you don't like your parents. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so when you have it at a different adult that shows you some sort of compassion, it really kind of hits you differently. And so I just went with her and we, we sat with the, the counselor and we talked, my parents came. Well, my parents ended up sending me away. The first time they sent me away, I was sent to a psych ward. And that was a really, it, that was a, a, a different experience. I was the youngest one there. There was, uh, it was from 13 for me all the way up until 17. And the ranging in issues from schizophrenia to, you know, just really depressed, severe depression where they're having to be watched for suicide. And it was just that I felt I was, I felt like I was crazy at that point. Like, I felt like my parents were telling me I'm insane. Like I'm insane for having these feelings of sadness, anger, this at the time I didn't understand it was anxiety, but this anxiety, like this constant static feeling in me. And I'm sure your listeners can understand that like constant hum that goes on and you don't, you can't put a finger on it. You're like, yeah, I know what that is, but I just can't like, what is it? You know what I mean? I I think, I mean, what shocks me about that is, is the fact that you've got a 13 year old that's doing the rebellion. Who's got, you know, ineffective parents, yet it is the child that is put into a psych ward. They didn't know how to handle me. I was so, I was awful. Like I was terrible. I would yell at them and cuss at them. I, I just, I, I was terrible and they just didn't understand like how to connect with me. They didn't. I and mean, my mom was struggling with her own mental health issues. So I, I can't imagine what that must've been like as, as a grown woman. Now I'm in my thirties. I can't imagine like having to explain my emotional like struggles with a 13 year old, but I wish she would have, cause I think it would have made it. Oh, okay. It's normal. What we're feeling. I'm not alone in this. Okay. You under, you're going through it too. Like it would have been a different, just a whole different story. But then after, after that, I, I, I got out of there for the psych ward and I was able to live somewhat of a normal life. <laughs> and then, uh, high school hit freshman year and it was right as nine 11. I remember this, this was crazy when nine 11 happened. Uh, I remember waking up to the whole, you know, planes hit the building. It was just a, a crazy time. And so a couple months after that, I really got into heavier drugs. I started doing acid. I started doing a lot of like stuff to really get me out of this world. Mm-hmm. And it did, it, it got me out of this, you know, my reality. I was sent into a fantasy world where, you know, I didn't have to deal with an alcoholic mother who was severely depressed. I didn't have to deal with a father who didn't know how to handle a severely depressed mother and 
a rebellious child. So it was, it was nice to escape for the moment, but then, you know, it only lasts for a little bit. (laughs) And then like everything kind of, kind of snowballs and just gets worse. And I ran away again. And then my parents sent me again back to that psych ward, but it was like a holding facility for a little bit. And they sent me to a program called wilderness. And I don't, are you familiar with the wilderness? Yes, I've seen that. We used to have it. um, I've seen a few of them on the TV in the UK uh, where, where children, because they are children, teenagers are sent away to some weird, well, not weird, but it is weird. Place, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Um, but it's it's so remote. It's just somewhere in the middle of nowhere where they, they can't escape. And there's some really strict rules about what they have to do and how they learn. And, you know, it's hard work and it's rigid routines. Yeah. And every, yeah, every wilderness program is so different too. Like some are a little bit more relaxed, some are like, you know, extremely strict. Mine, I, I don't even know where mine falls in, but <laughs> I was sent to a hike in the woods in the dead of winter <laughs> in Oregon. And we had to hike for three weeks. And there was probably, I think there was maybe six other kids with me. Yeah, there's, I think there was six, six other kids with me. I was the youngest and the oldest was 17. And we're, we're having to hike in the woods. You can't talk to each other. Like you're a single file line. I remember the backpacks, the backpacks were the crazy part. They, I was probably about a hundred pounds at the time and the backpack itself weighed 90. So I had to like put, put the backpack on its back and then I'd lie down on it and then strap myself into it. And then I'd have to like throw myself over like a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's, that's a good vision. I mean, yeah. we shouldn't laugh at it really, but it, it, it is quite I'm, yeah. it's funny. It's, it's comical now. And so then I had to like use my poles and like push myself up. Ah, it was just, it was a workout, let me tell you. But so ha- having to do this for three weeks straight and you can't really talk to the other kids. And then when you, it's time to like stop hiking and you make your own tent, they separate the children where you can't even like, you, you literally feel like you're alone. You can't see other campsites. Like it's just you. And it, I remember being so scared because I'm coming off of drugs and I'm, you know, hi- like it's freezing. I'm hiking in snow. I, my, my hair is getting frozen. It was just, it was cold. It was so cold. It sounds, so that- it actually sounds very cruel. It is. It's very cruel. And I don't understand. I still to this day don't understand what it's for. I think for me, the only thing it, it helped detox me. Like I, I, I got, got off of drugs that way, but physically, but mentally it didn't do anything I, for me, for me. I would and imagine I- it actually did a lot of damage mentally, you know, um, because it, it doesn't allow you to feel your feelings. No, I, well, I didn't know how to process what I was feeling. That's why I was doing the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody sat down with me to say, hey, let's, let's, what's going on? Let's talk about this. Let's see, figure out why you're feeling these, this way. No one ever did that. It was just like, oh, you're upset. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, I'm fucking upset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But so after the wilderness, uh, my parents, I got to go home for about a week 
And that was so surreal. And I, I really didn't have any contact with any of my friends. I, I, I just felt very secluded and it took me a long time to get used to sleeping back on a bed. Like I, I actually like for the first like two or three nights I'd sleep on the floor because it was just so uncomfortable. Like it was weird how a soft bed became uncomfortable because it wasn't something I was used to. Yeah. I was, just, I was used to sleeping on frozen, a frozen sleeping bag. And so it, it's just, it was weird. So I get back kind of into the flow of things. And then my parents tell me we're going to Disneyland. So we, we pack up our things. We're going to Disneyland. And then as we're there, as we're going there, they told me they're sending me to a therapeutic boarding school. And so after Disneyland, we go to Disneyland and then after Disneyland, we travel up the coast of California. They take me to a therapeutic boarding school and I'm there for two years. And it, that was a a different place. I, 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 are you familiar with therapeutic boarding schools? No, it's not something I've ever heard of. Okay. I didn't know if the UK or they do it, but out here they're, they're popular, but not known popular. So it's where you send your troubled kids where you don't know what to do with them. And basically they have uh, seven workshops throughout this program. And it takes two years to go through the whole program. And each workshop is so different. And it basically is brainwashing. In my mind, it's brainwashing. And in a lot of other survivors, it's brainwashing. So, and then each week you would have two forums where you'd sit in a group in, in individual rooms with like maybe like 12 other children and basically yell at each other. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So they encouraged a lot of yelling. So say like you stole my shirt and instead of saying, oh, hey, can Don, can I have my shirt back? I really don't appreciate you taking my shirt. You would have to wait till the forum and then I, they would encourage you to yell at each other. And I would, so if me just encourage, like saying, saying what I just said to you, they would be like, well, how does that make you feel? And I'm like, well, it kind of upsets me. And then they kind of like antagonize you. And so that to the point you're yelling at another person. That's and bizarre. So what is, they're doing is they're, they're feeding the feelings. They're increasing the feelings, yeah. making you angry. But to what end? I don't know. I don't know. Like I, even us survivors, because we'll meet up and talk every now and then or have Zoom meetings and discuss it. And we still don't understand the, like, why, why encourage this type of, because I it took me forever to learn, oh, that's not how you communicate to a human being. Encouraging encouraging aggression in teenagers, I can't see how that is beneficial to anybody. No, or even as an adult, like I don't understand. Like, so when I met my husband, it took me a long time to not, like if we had a conflict, it took me a long time to learn to say, hey, that really upset me instead of like blowing my top off and just screaming at him. And like it, it poor, my poor husband, he was just like, I like, so shy. <laughs> it was so jarring to like get this explosive behavior. So it, it took a long time for me to realize, oh, this isn't, this isn't healthy. No. <laughs> you don't, you don't, this is not how you communicate to people. And so that's just like every week, that's what you do. And then in the workshops, they like one of the workshops, they would take a photo of you as a little girl. And they would shove it in your face 
and they would break their, their goal was to break you down and then like build you back up. But so the way they would break you down is they take a photo of you as a child and they'd shove it in your face and say, you made her do drugs. Like you made her have sex, like just say horrific things as like, you're looking at like a baby photo basically. And it, of course you, you start bawling. Cause like, that's just, it's hard. Like it, it's horrible. I, yeah. I, d- I don't know about, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just appalled at the idea of that because that is, that is it's so awful. psychologically damaging. It is. It, it, and it was, and I, I, and then after that, they put socks on your hands and then you, they want, it's called running anger. And then they have you like pound pillows and just screaming and crying you get to the point where like your blood vessels in your, around your eyes pop because you're screaming so much. And then snot's just coming out of your nose. It's just awful. And it's very, it's very jarring to go through. And then like, once you graduate the program and at, through this whole time, you're not allowed to have any contact with friends at home. So you are completely isolated. You're not allowed to leave campus until you've been there for about, I think it's like six months. Mm-hmm. And, and then your parents come and visit you for like two weeks and they take you to the town. That's like an hour or two hours outside of where you are. So you're still not part of society. You're still like secluded. And then when you do get to go home for your year visit you're only there for two weeks and then you come back and you're not allowed to see your friends not allowed to like do any of that so it's just you feel very isolated and you feel like something's wrong with you you literally literally feel like you're a freak and And are these are these boarding schools still in effect now they're still happening now yes and a lot of um my fellow survivors a lot of them are trying to get them shut down now like paris hilton she actually went to my boarding school and she's now part of it's called the troubled teen industry tti and her and a few quite a few other survivors are trying to get these facilities shut down because they're horrendous horrendous paris hilton actually went to she went to a handful of them and she suffered physical abuse from them like a lot of it they're terrible they're just awful it does sound that way yeah it's really worrying i'm I'm glad, I'm glad they're not available in the uk it's crazy how they're available here i don't understand how it's still legal i really don't no. i really don't get it but so after that once you'd graduated what then <laughs> i came home and through this whole time like you're trying to heal your why you're there at that school, but in, in, it actually ends up and adding more. And I felt like the anxiety increased 10 times more. The, the depression, the anger, everything just increased tenfold. Like it didn't, didn't help, didn't anything, it just increased. And so leaving there, I still had a year of high school left. So I was 16 <laughs> And I, I just, I felt like a freak. I didn't have, like, I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know like what to do. I just didn't know how to be. And it, cause it, what that school was, it was like, oh, you did great. You graduated. Here you go. And then they throw you out to the world and you're like, okay, well now what? Being now taught what? how to, how to communicate by screaming at people and hitting pillows and, you yeah. know, and that. Yeah. That's, that's just a recipe for disaster, isn't it? It is. And so 
I, I didn't know how to be. I really didn't. And so I just, I struggled for a while trying to figure out my way. I, I graduated high school early, emancipated my parents. Uh, and so basically I divorced my parents yeah. so I could go, go live my life and not have to like get their permission to do it. And then I moved to California with a fellow survivor from that boarding school I went to. And we lived together for a little bit. And I, I felt like I was just stumbling through life for the longest time. I didn't know how to really deal with these emotions that I was feeling the, the depression increased throughout the years. Cause like, if you don't address it, as you know, it kind of can spiral out of control. Yeah. You've got unmet needs. And if you're not meeting those needs, then it's, it's not going to go away. Exactly. And so I definitely was meeting my needs in very unhealthy ways. I went back to alcohol because it was what was familiar. I didn't understand. Like I just, I didn't learn any healthy tools. (laughs) (laughs) So I went back to what was familiar and what was familiar was alcohol and drugs. And so I, I, I didn't go back to drugs, which was, I'm very grateful for that. I chose to just take alcohol, but still. Not, not a great choice, but I, you know, stumbled through life a little bit and then, um, kind of found my way. I traveled all over. I found that I really enjoyed traveling. I really loved interacting with people on a real level, you know, not, you know, like, oh, the weather's great. kind of. <laughs> and so I started to really invest in my, my mental health. And I really started to search out a variety of different therapists to psychiatrists to psychologists. I, I've tried all variety of mental health, I feel. <laughs> and what was your what was your impression of those different modalities? So I appreciate regular talk therapy. I do. I really appreciate that because you it does help to talk to somebody just to unload, but there was really no healing. you know, there was really no like, okay, well, that's great that you feel like that. Let's fix that. Let's, let's, let's heal that little girl that felt like she was a freak because her mom couldn't give her what she needed or, you know? And so I, I liked that I could talk to somebody, but it didn't feel, it wasn't like a substantial, um, what's the word I'm looking for? substantial like results it it wasn't like a long-term I didn't feel a long-term relief it's like putting a sticking plaster on a a, you know a broken arm type of thing yeah yeah and and then psychologists psychiatrists when they prescribe you pills I just I I didn't enjoy that I didn't enjoy taking a bunch of meds I I hated that I I because I still had those feelings but I was numb Yes. If that makes any sense. It, that And lots of people have said that. I, I've interviewed a few people and, and those that have taken that type of medication, they said they're just in this, this daze, this fuzz. It's as if everything is just blurred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so it, it wasn't any better, but it wasn't any worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and then I, I, I started to develop tumors in my shoulder and throughout my body where I it's called schwannomatosis. It's a lovely mouthful. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, But I grow tumors on my nerves 
and it causes excruciating pain, but I'm work, I've, I've found modalities to help work through that. But at the moment when I'm, when I was going through it, I had no clue what was happening to my body. I didn't understand what was going on. My doctors didn't have any resources. So it was just like all of this tumbled again. Like it felt like a re-triggering of my youth. Is that, you know? And so I started getting really depressed and angry again. Uh, my, my sweet husband, he, he pushed through me with me the, in those moments and helped me find answers. And we ended up getting a genetic test on, figured out I have schwannomatosis. And then it allowed me to kind of like accept my situation, right? Where I was like, okay, so this is what I have. How can I progress? How can I continue to live my life instead of letting this be my, my life sentence, right? Yes. And so I started looking into, um, cause my, my mindset was I'm, I'm losing my, my mobility of my body, but I still have my mind. Mm-hmm. And if I have my mind, I can strengthen that. So I, are you familiar with mind Valley? Yes. Yes. So I, I, I started participating in some of their programs and mm-hmm. then I found hypnosis through them and hypnosis just changed my life and guided visual meditations just really opened my world to, Oh, this is what calm feels like. Oh my God. It was so funny. The first time I felt true calm, what I thought I was sleepy, but I, I couldn't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh, this is, this is what that feels like. Like, I don't, that hum, that hum is gone. Like I, I feel pure, just calm. It was such a great feeling. And so ever since that moment, I've been, I've been chasing it ever since. (laughs) And I just love implementing it into my life. It's just to get rid of that hum. It was just, it's just a blessing. So hypnosis and guided visual meditations have been a lifesaver for me. Like they really allowed me to take control of my mind and my body. It's like this homeostasis now. Um, So where's your anxiety now? When does, does that show up? So it's interesting. You know, we, we need anxiety, right. As humans, we'd be psychopaths if we weren't. (laughs) (laughs) So it it pops up in random, like, cause I still have my triggers, you know, I, but I'm working through them. We we all have them, but it's, it's acknowledging them and working through them is what's key. But so a little trigger every now and will pop up and I can see, oh, that's anxiety. And I just have a different conversation with myself. I just say, no, you're not in danger. You're not like, you're not going to get in trouble. You're not a little child. Like I just have to have a different conversation for whatever that trigger is. If if I'm explaining myself (laughs) properly. Well, it's the same. I I describe it as you know, if you've got a toddler that's afraid of something, but they don't need to be afraid of it, it's not a real fear, yeah. you would soothe them, wouldn't you? You would tell yeah. them it's going to be okay, that there's nothing to be afraid of. And yeah, you would just encourage them to be fine about whatever situation they're in. Exactly. And we can do that to ourselves. We can calm our anxiety in exactly that same way by almost like re-educating it as mm-hmm. if it was a, a little child. Yeah. And that's what I do. I just have a better conversation with myself. And then that hum just is like, oh, okay. And it just goes away. Yes. And, and I just, and, and each time it happens, it's shorter. Yeah. It, the, the duration is shorter and it doesn't happen as much. 
which is, it's so exciting to see that progress. Cause I think when you're first in the midst of healing all these like wounds and traumas, you're like, it's never ended. Like (laughs) it it can feel a little overwhelming and you're like, oh my God, this is my life. I'm stuck to this. And it's like, no, you're not, this isn't, this isn't your life. You're not destined to this. And I think to see that progression, it's, it's, it's exciting, right? Like, oh, yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> I know, but you actually have to notice that that progression as well because exactly. so many people don't take note of how far they've gone. Exactly. It, you got to you got to take a step back and appreciate your how far you have come. And it, it, and it and it, it it encourages you and rewards you to and see that progress. It's like, "Oh my gosh, like look how far I have come. You know, when I take a moment, I'm 35 now. And I look back at that 12, 13 year old, I just have so much love and compassion for her now, which before I used to have anger and resentment and and a little bit of shame because, you know, that's so young to go through those things and do those things. And, you know, you can take that and it's like, no, look how far I have come look at what you've, you've gone through and who you are today. Like I'm helping people heal their traumas through my hypnosis. So it's just, I'm just, I'm just blessed. And I just, I think it's important. Everybody takes that moment and encourages them to love them for how far they've gone in their progress, no matter what stage they're at. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think our stories are incredibly powerful, but they don't define who we are going forward. Exactly, exactly. And that is so important. So many people, I have clients who think that the things they have done in the past is is defines who they're going to be in the future. And that is just so no. true. No, and, and you know, we're human. We're meant to grow. We're meant to continuously evolve. And if you get stuck in that stagnant feeling of, oh no, like I'm, this is just me. You can feel that, right? Like you can yeah. feel that in all aspects of your life. And so when you step from that limitation and you're like, oh, I'm allowed to grow, I'm allowed to develop and, and become something different and someone, it, it, I think you, it opens the world. Yeah, and it's a natural part of life because otherwise we'd all still be babies, you know. Exactly. We have different life stages to travel through and learn along the way, and people come and go in our lives, and the whole life is about change. But we have this idea that that change is bad, and it's it's not. But it's great because it allows you to be someone else, experience something different all the time. If you know, and if, if if you're somewhere great then you know fine carry on do what you're doing but if you're not at least change allows you to do something different it does and there some change can be challenging to go through like so my father passed seven years ago Mm -hmm. and I remember that change was so jarring and I was still in the midst of trying to figure out my mental health and you know my physical health and so yes some change is not fun (laughs) Yeah. But like you said, it's the natural part of life and it's learning to cope and thrive through that change that really makes it. Yeah. And our human experience of life is ups and downs. It's mm-hmm. nobody said that it's all going to be, you know, rainbows and unicorns our whole life. We're going to get those dark days. And but we are incredibly resilient. We lose sight of that. 
so resilient. And, you know, those dark days do make those brighter days that much brighter. Yes. It, and I know it, 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 I know it's like, sounds like a, it's silly trying to put a spin on a, a dark thing as death, but it's, it's life and you have to learn, you have to learn to live with that. Right. You have, and it, it's not easy at times, but, but we are, we are, we are so resilient. Humans are so resilient. We can bounce back so quickly. And I think, you know, I think love has a lot to do with that. I think having love in us and around us really helps build that resilience. Yes. And it's, it's finding it within us though, isn't it? It's we, so many exactly. people look outside for, for that, that resilience, yeah. that, that love, that compassion, all those things, but it, it's mm. actually, we can find it inside and then it's easier yeah. to have it enhanced by other people. Exactly. Once when we, you can, we, yeah, I was just gonna say when, when you can love yourself, it's, it's the greatest gift. I feel like for me to learn to love all aspects of myself, even my rebel years, it's, it's a gift. It's, it's so I'm, I'm blessed to love who I am now. And you're using your experience for good. Yes, I am helping other fellow survivors from the troubled teen industry learn that they're, they're not fuck ups. They're not, you know, misfits like they, they, they're they're not alone. And I also help women gain back their confidence because I as you can relate, I'm sure yeah. we women are you know, told to just kind of be the helping hand and, you know, the loving, but, you know, we have a, a variety of emotions and desires and dreams. And I, I, it, when you have that confidence and courage to live that it, your, your whole world opens up and it, you can change things. And it's, it's just incredible. I love helping people see that. Yeah. And it's all about balance. It's all about making sure exactly. that every aspect of your life is balanced as, as much as it can be. It gets mm -hmm. unbalanced sometimes, but yeah. if you bring it back again, it's, it's great. Yeah, yeah. And it all begins with you, like your inner work. It, it can't, you can't rely on somebody else to do it for you. It has to be you to go inside and, and, and see, okay, well, this triggered me. Why did this trigger me? And work through that because triggers suck. Like you don't, you don't want to be triggered your whole entire life. So if you can identify those triggers and heal that part of you, it really, really opens your world to beautiful, beautiful things. And it does, yeah. it starts with you. It does, it does. And one of the things that I do a lot of is uh, when in my therapy practice, I do a lot of education as well. Mm -hmm. So people yeah. understand how their mind works and how where their feelings come from. You have to. Yeah. And that whole childhood attachment situation and why we make up these rules and beliefs in our younger years that we possibly aren't even aware of. You know, as you Is said, it? when you were a child, you had all this anxiety, but you didn't know it as anxiety. You didn't know no. what was challenging it. All you knew was your mother's condition was normal to you. That was, mm -hmm. that was what life was. And there wasn't a, another option because that's where you were. And it was just the norm. Yeah. Yeah. It was the norm. So you've, you were resilient enough to survive in your own way and possibly not the greatest way, but okay. ultimately you survived. Yep. Yep. And I found my way and, you know, probably not the most graceful way, but I, <laughs> I made it, <laughs> but I'm now I'm able to, you know, if I have clients that 
have struggled with, you know, an emotionally abusive family or any, or any sort of abuse, I can, I understand that. I understand that. And I can show them that's, it's not your destiny. It's not your fault. Like Mm -hmm. you're not alone. You can really be there for your clients to show them that they, they are their own healers. You know, they can go in and really, and really help heal themselves. And that it's possible to heal, which mm. is an incredibly powerful message because so many feel they're stuck and that they, there's no hope. But if we can give them hope through stories such as yours, then it's 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 worth every minute. Oh yeah, like it, it's when you realize you're not destined to the anxiety, to the depression, or to the anger. It's 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 so freeing. It's so yeah. liberating because you're like. Oh my gosh! Like I, I don't have to have this ball and chain around me anymore. Like I, I, I legitimately have the bolt cutters, and I can cu- cut it myself. Yes, yeah. Just put it down mm-hmm. and walk away. <laughs> yeah, and and learning different techniques. You know, for me, it's hypnosis and guided visual meditations. Those really help center me. So if I do feel like that, you know, little twinge of sadness come I can you know just take a step back go to my meditation room and just take 10-15 minutes just to you know recalibrate right like yes just come back in tune with yourself and it's like okay that's not real that's not that's not true like whatever that was that's you know it's good to acknowledge it but it's good to kind of, like you said, put it down. <laughs> yeah, because you don't want to feed it, do you? You don't want no. to say, oh, I'm feeling sad. So why, 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 why? Because exactly. you just go down that spiral and just get deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Yeah. Because what we focus on grows bigger. So if it's, it's about just letting it almost like sweep over you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're looking it, it there and then just... Yeah. Yeah. Like a cloud, right? Like, oh, I see that cloud of sadness <laughs> and it just floats on by. Okay. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And rather than grabbing hold of it, it's, uh, and, and that is, yeah, that's, that's just a great thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So your story is incredibly powerful and thank you so much for sharing it with us. One thing I do ask my guests is if there were three things that you would suggest for my listeners to do, what would they be? really have be gentle with yourself. I think really having grace for yourself and not beating yourself up about what you're feeling is important. Cause I know I, I, I'm not the only one that used to do that. I, I know I'm not the only one that would, you know, harp on myself for the feelings I was feeling. So have grace for yourself, be gentle, find what works best for you. And, you know, not everybody is going to fit the same shoe. Right. But going out there and asking for help and searching for help. It's huge. It's huge. And just even just letting your family or loved ones know like, Hey, I'm struggling. I just can, can you help me? Just, just simple things like that. It makes the biggest difference. Yes. And I really, and, and not being afraid to allow yourself to heal. Cause I think a lot of people are afraid to let themselves let go of the anxiety, let go of the sadness. Cause what, what else, what is that? What does that mean? Like, who am I after that? Right. Yes. Yeah. That's very, very common. Yeah. They, it's almost like it's become so much part of their identity that if it goes one, well, who, who am I going to be? Who, who Right. 
And I think that's exciting and they should get excited about that. Like let that go and get excited for the new potentials that awaits you. Like imagine what you would be like or could do without that constant hum of anxiety saying, well, no, I can't leave the house. (laughs) Like let it go and imagine what, what can go, but get that help that you need, you know, hypnosis, you know, if it is regular talk therapy, if that works for people, fantastic. Go do it. Go get that help. Don't be afraid of it. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I could talk to you for hours, um, <laughs> but I'm going to let you go and enjoy your day now. Uh, Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you, Hallie. Thank you for listening to today's show. Please follow or subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they're available. Whilst you are there, please also comment and review as it helps me and other listeners know what is good and what is not. If you would like to get in touch, feel free to reach out to me via the contact details in my show notes or through Facebook at Finding Freedom Club.